You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by Dave Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Joining us now, also from Pewter Report and the Pewter Nation podcast, you know him, you love him, you appreciate all his hard work, Taylor Jenkins. Taylor, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. Um, as always, thanks for having me on. It's always great to get on and talk some Bucks football. Love getting a chance to do that any chance we can, especially now that we're all quarantined and hanging out. There's really no sports going on. So love that we have free agency and at least something to talk about. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. You know, I know uh, some of our listeners have reached out to us and talked about how much they appreciate having us to listen to during this time. And we appreciate reaching out to them just as much during this time. And I'm sure that your guys' podcast, your, your show is always good for, for solid entertainment for about an hour or so. Uh, so I'm sure that your listeners and readers are appreciating what you guys are doing just as well. So, I mean, everybody, if they listen to yesterday's episode, they know we had Matt on, uh, one of your coworkers there, talking about the offensive side of the ball. Today, we're going to talk defense. And Taylor, we had a Twitter question yesterday from Matt, but we've got a voicemail for you. Are you good with uh, answering one of our listeners' voicemails for us? Absolutely. Sure thing. All right. Here we go. Hey, guys. It's Jacob from South Carolina. Um, I just got the news that we re-signed safety Andrew Adams to a one-year deal, and I really hope this isn't the only move we're making at safety um, because it seems like we just keep using the same old Band-Aid on the same sore position for three years now. He, he's a serviceable safety, but is he a you know top-notch um, game-changing safety? No, besides that one game where he picked off Cam Newton you know, what, three times, that, that's about it. I mean, I just feel like we just keep taking the same, ba- same Band-Aid Brushing the dirt off of it and putting it back on that sore position, hoping that it will eventually stop the bleeding. I, I want y'all's, uh, uh, y'all's opinion on that. Uh, again, go Bucks. Do me a favor when you react to this. We're going to talk about fins in a little bit later in the show, but your thoughts on Andrew Adams specifically to what the caller was talking about as far as coming back and how you feel like that really ties together the safety room, if at all. Um, I think the thing with Andrew Adams is. You've seen him the last two years. He's been brought in mid-season both times. Um, he's a guy that's been here. He's now played under Todd Bowles' defense for a year. And I wouldn't necessarily say that the Bucks are continuing to use a Band-Aid, as a way to put it, at the safety position. I think that Jason Light has tried to fill that position multiple times. He's drafted a safety in each of the th- last three drafts, uh, that being Jordan Whitehead, that being uh, Justin Evans, and that being uh, Mike Edwards. Now, the problem becomes Justin Evans hasn't really touched the field since week 10 of 2018. Mike Edwards didn't touch the field, I think, nearly as much as he wanted or the organization wanted last year. Um, You have Dakota Dixon, who's going to be coming back from an injury, but he missed all last year. So he's essentially going to be a rookie with a little bit of an edge just because he was around the facility and the team last year. But really, you bring Andrew Adams back because when you look at that room, you don't really have a true free safety in the room. Jordan Whitehead is more of a strong safety. Mike Edwards is a little versatile, but he's more of a strong safety. You're really not quite sure what you have with Dakota Dixon, despite the fact that the Bucks like him enough to bring him back. But without Justin Evans, if you're not sure if he's back, you really don't have a free safety, and that's what Andrew Adams provides. 
So I know the team is hoping to have Justin Evans back. Um, Bruce Arians or Jason Light, I can't recall which one said that they were hoping to have him back by training camp. He did suffer another setback, which it seems like that's all we've heard about his injury for the last two years. But Andrew Adams is really kind of the de facto free safety unless Justin Evans comes back or like you were talking about, they go out in free agency and kind of pick someone up. Yeah, I mean, you really do. You really feel bad for Justin Evans and kind of how his career has gone, a guy who showed a lot of upside early on and then just can't get over those injuries. But I agree with you. I think Andrew Adams, uh, he's he's the rangiest safety they have back there. I love Dakota Dixon and what he did in Wisconsin and kind of the potential that he brought to the Bucks last year, but like I said, getting injured. And then he really is. He's, he's kind of more of that, you know, small linebacker, big safety type of hybrid type of guy. He really likes to stick his nose down in there. Jordan Whitehead, I think, filled his role really good, kind of being that dog back there at the safety position, playing in the box more than anything. I like I like the fact that they brought Andrew Adams back. I, I mean, like you said, this is a guy who who didn't get necessarily all the tutelage that everybody else did, yet he still started more games than anybody else at that position. And it, it kind of reminds me of like Alex Kappa a little bit, where you know, Alex Kappa is not an all pro. Andrew Adams isn't an all pro. I don't think he's gonna necessarily be the first Bucks safety since John Lynch to make the Pro Bowl anytime soon. But Free safety was not a position last year that we really all kind of sat back saying, man, they got to find an answer, got to find an answer, got to find an answer. We noticed the rotation, noticed that, you know, Mike was back there sometimes, Andrew's back there sometimes, it was kind of hit or miss, but it was never really like that focal point that just really made kind of a a standout as as a problem. So I feel like bringing Andrew Adams back allows him and Mike Edwards to compete. And then we'll see what they do in the draft, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, so I think we're on the same page, Taylor. So Jacob, appreciate the phone call, brother. Um, maybe you're seeing something different than we are, but it sounds like at least Taylor and I are, are pretty much on the same page with Andrew. Um, but then obviously the team also brought back Shaq, which everybody knew was going to happen from BA's mouth himself. He ain't going nowhere. Uh, JPP, Nacho, and Kevin Minter. Taylor, what do you think about the Buccaneers bringing those guys back too? No outside free agents added. All the free agent re-signing or signings have been re-signings. Are you surprised by that at all? I know you had Carl Joseph in your battle plan, which I loved, by the way. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. But are you surprised at all? How do you feel about what they've done so far? I really like what they've done. I mean, the big emphasis for, uh, I guess we didn't really hear from Jason Light in season, but Bruce Arians said it numerous times, you know, kind of leading up to that final game. He said, we want to keep this front seven together. And I mean, why wouldn't you? You had a guy that had eight sacks in 10 games, JPP, once he came back. You had Shaq, who obviously was the league sack leader. You had Ndamukong Sue and Vita Vea, who were up front, who are just an unbelievable duo at defensive tackle. You've got Levante David still here. You've got uh, Devin White on a rookie deal. You bring back Kevin Minter. I think Kevin Minter's a great guy to be a veteran. He's been in Todd Bull's defense, you know, dating back to Arizona. So he's a great guy that can, I mean, just be another leader for Devin White and that front system running the era, front seven running the system. So I really don't have a problem with it. I, I think the biggest issue, as we've seen, I mean, they had the number one ranked uh, run defense in the league. They got after the quarterback fine. It was really in the secondary. And so the issue that I think I have right now is that they haven't added to their cornerbacks. Um, I think that Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Sean Murphy Bunting are a supremely talented unit of three extremely young guys that you have on rookie contracts that played absolutely phenomenal down the stretch last year over the last six weeks. But the problem with that is with Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy bunting. Now you have a full season. Well, really for Sean Murphy bunting, not so much for Jamel Dean, but you still have what, at least uh, five and a half games of his tape to watch. And when you look at what are the Panthers going to do, what are the saints going to do? What are the Falcons going to do? What are every team that's sitting around planning for their next season right now going to do? 
that's going to be more game tape that they can look at to exploit weaknesses. So should you see one of those three guys go down? Should you see one or two of them regress and not be able to produce the way they were in the second half of last season? You're really handcuffed because behind them, what do you ha- what do you really have? I mean, you don't have Ryan Smith under contract right now. You have MJ Stewart, who clearly I think has proven that if you have him on the field consistently, it's not good for your defense. So I think personally, the secondary is something that I would have added a veteran corner, but then it obviously puts the situation, if you bring in another starter to start over Carlton Davis or Jamel Dean or Sean Murphy-Bunting, you're obviously stunting their growth by limiting their reps. But again, are you going to pay a guy, a veteran guy, to come and sit behind them and purely be rotational? So I think it, it really depends on the money and the guy and the right situation. But I think cornerback is something they're going to have to add to. And I would prefer it be a veteran just because you've already got so much youth. Carlton Davis going into his third year. Jamel Dean and Sean Murphy-Bunting both going into their second. Everybody behind him is young. So I think that's the biggest need right now. But I've said this roster last year was really not far off from being a real playoff contender. I mean, a couple games lost from the defense, a couple games lost from the quarterback position. You know, whatever you want to tag a couple losses on, if you want to call the referees a problem for a game or two. It's, you're really not that far off. I don't think the fact that they didn't go out and make any splash signings, you'd be, you'd be super excited if you went out and got the league sack leader, right? Well, you just re-signed him, so it doesn't seem as exciting. But again, you're bringing back Shaq Barrett. You're bringing back Jason Pierre-Paul. These are just as big as going up and picking up a free agent signing, in my opinion. We are joined here on the Locked On Bucks podcast by Taylor Jenkins of Pewter Report and the Pewter Nation podcast. Now, Taylor, one of the names that we have yet to talk about is that of Indomitian Sue. Now, Sue didn't sign with the Buccaneers last year until late May. But there seems to be already a little bit of of panic among Bucks fans that you know those that want Indomitian Sue back. There are still some that that don't feel that his production is worth the cost. Which you're going to find that with with any player at any position. But you have the the saga of Indomitian Sue. We know that they've been in talks with him, interest, you know, mutual interest in coming back. Sue just fired his his agency. Um, you know, shortly before we began recording this, we've heard that the Cowboys could be interested in bringing in him or Don Tari Poe to uh, to line up next to Gerald McCoy. How do you how do you look at the Indomitian Sioux saga as it stands right now? And and is this a guy that you feel needs to be back, or or you would prefer to have him back? Just kind of you know talk about a little bit you know what's going on with the Bucks and Sioux. I think that he is a big part of that defense. I think that not only is Indomitian Sue, he's not going to show up in the stat sheet as much. Um, the tackles for loss are never going to be astronomical, I think, at this point in his career. The sacks are not going to be astronomical at this point in his career. But I think the experience he brings is absolutely invaluable to Vita Vea lining up next to him. I think what he brings in the run game is absolutely invaluable. I think the work that him and Vea do side-by-side side to allow Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett get after the quarterback is invaluable. And I think that also, if you lose Indomitian Sue, you're at a point where really your defensive tackles left are Vita Vea and uh, um, Nunez Rochez, who you don't really want to have as more than a rotational player. You lost Bo Allen. You lost Vinnie Curry the year before. Um, so then it becomes a problem of, oh, now we have to scramble and find a defensive tackle in the draft. And now that becomes a much bigger priority 
the longer free agency goes on, the less people that are available. If you were going to bring in someone off the street, the longer that goes on, it just makes things worse. I think Indomitian Sue wants to be back. I think the Bucks really want him to be back. Now that a lot of free agents have been re-signed by the Bucks, it kind of eats into their cap room. So money be more of an issue. But I think he's a very instrumental part of that defense, even if you get him back for one year until you can find that impactful replacement. But I don't think this year in the draft is the point when you want to have to really make a push for a defensive tackle when you have needs at other positions. Right, right. Yeah, and that's, you know, a lot of a lot of Bucks fans are are leaning towards wanting, you know, let the Bucks move on from Sue and and you know, the Bucks can go after Kinlaw in the draft. Well, with the 49ers now sitting one spot ahead, Kinlaw, you know, very real possibility that Kinlaw doesn't drop. Plus, if you're drafting Kinlaw in the first round, well now you're having to wait until day 2 to address the the right tackle position and you have that you have that domino effect, but let's let's look at the the quote unquote worst case scenario here. And Dominican Sue decides not to come back to Tampa Bay. Who are some free agents out there on the market that you could look at and say, you know what, it it may not be as good as Sue, or it may be as good as Sue, um, but this is a guy or or two that can light up next to Vita Vea and have a strong impact on this Todd Bowles defense. I mean. The problem really is I haven't looked at a lot of free agent defensive tackles. I'm not quite sure off the top of my head who I would say should be a target. Um, just because I've been so confident in the fact that they're either going to, there is deep defensive tackle in the draft. So I think you can get one in round two or round three. I really can't say right now. I don't, I haven't looked at the defensive tackles that are still available enough to say, this is the guy I would go after, but it definitely becomes a possibility. So I, I'm hoping that the Bucks can have some assurance on Indomitian Sioux's situation soon for their case, uh, but it's really going to be tough to replace him if you lose him this year, I think. Any other defensive free agents that you're still kind of keeping an eye on? Obviously, your um, your colleague there at, at Pewter Report, Mark Cook, is a one-man campaigning crew for Tony Jefferson, which I'm I'm all about. Yeah, I would I would love Jefferson. I wanted him when he became a free agent after leaving Arizona, ended up going to Baltimore. Uh of course that's one of the more difficult ones to to get done with teams not being able to bring players in for physicals and visits and things like that. But any other free agents on the defensive side of the ball that you're looking at that could really come in and contribute for the Bucks this season? Um, I know that Tony Jefferson has been the big talk. He he played for uh, Todd Bowles and Bruce Arians in Arizona. I know Mark Cook's been calling for him. But again, I think Tony Jefferson is going to bring a price tag that might be a little too high for the Bucks to invest in, especially considering he's more of a prototypical strong safety and they are more in need of a free safety, in my opinion, like I was saying early. Um, again, then it just becomes veteran guys. Are you going to bring in a guy, Antoine Bethea? You know, he's 36. Are you going to bring in someone like that? Are you going to go... And then you go to, I think they should bring in a cornerback. Like I said, I think a guy like Brandon Carr would be an interesting addition, 34 years old, um, probably going to be signing a one or two year deal, probably going to be able to get for three to five million. And I think those would be the biggest additions that the Bucks could make um, kind of to shore up that secondary. But like I said, as long as you land in Dominican Sue and you can draft someone with depth at defensive tackle, I really don't think the roster on defense is that far off. 
Here now on the Locked On Bucks podcast, we are joined by Taylor Jenkins from Pewter Report and Pewter Nation podcast. Taylor, let's get into the draft. So going over your battle plan, kind of like how we did with Matt yesterday, you have so you well, first of all, you have the Buccaneers going from seven draft picks in this year's selection meeting to six by packaging the two fourth round draft picks, trading them to Denver for a third round pick, giving the Buccaneers a first, a second, two thirds, then the fifth and the sixth. And out of those six picks, you gave them two defenders, uh, one being defensive end Marlon Davidson out of Auburn in the third round, and then cornerback Lamar Jackson, the real Lamar Jackson, out of Nebraska uh, in the sixth round. So like you were saying to James before about the whole Indomitian Sioux situation and potential free agent targets, that you feel like this this draft class is fairly deep. Your battle, plas- your battle plan rather has the Buccaneers bringing back Indomitian Sioux. So obviously that kind of reflects that. But if... And Dominican Sue doesn't come back, right? You talk about this draft class. Do the Buccaneers still, if you have to shift your battle plan based on Dominican Sue not coming back, do the Buccaneers still wait to the third round to address the defensive line? And do you go more with a true kind of defensive tackle type pros- prospect? Or is a guy like Marlon Davidson still going to fit the bill if, if Sue is not there? Now, I would not want Marlon Davidson starting on my, I would not be necessarily excited to have him starting day one. Um, I think that he's a guy that can be versatile. He played off of the edge in uh, college. I think he's going to move to the interior defensive line. Um, When he gets to the NFL level, I think he's quick up the field. Um, I think he's got a lot of strength. He's got a lot of size. But I still think that that's a situation that the Bucs will have to be in if they don't land in Dominican Sue. Because I think that offensive tackle in the first round is imperative. As long as one of those four guys, those main four, that Mackay Becton, that uh, Tristan Wirfs, Jedrick Wills, or um, Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. If it's one of those guys, I think you absolutely have to pick them. Now, after that, if they slide up and decide to go in the second round, I think that would make sense. I think that it would uh, probably become much more of a pressing issue, and you might move up and draft someone in the second at defensive tackle. Okay, and then talk about Lamar Jackson for our listeners who maybe haven't studied Lamar Jackson or seen him or even necessarily heard of him. Uh, what it, what it, was it about Lamar Jackson? Obviously, six-round six draft pick, you're looking more special teams contribution depth piece. But what was it about Lamar Jackson that made you put him there in the sixth round instead of you know some of the other guys that might have been available? I think the thing about Lamar Jackson uh, is just his size. Um, I don't think the Bucks. if you look at their uh, the cornerbacks that they've drafted recently, you look at... Carlton Davis, you look at Jamel Dean, you look at Sean Murphy Bunting, the thing that they all have in common, with the exception of Murphy Bunting, really, he's still not small, but they like big, long, physical receiver, or wide, or I'm sorry, cornerbacks, who can play on the line of scrimmage, play in man coverage, get people off their routes immediately, and I think that that's something Jackson brings to the table. Now, he did run, I think, a 4-5-8 40-yard dash, which isn't prototypical for their scheme. But I think when you're drafting a guy in the sixth round, like you said, he's going to be a special teams guy. He's probably going to be down in the depth chart five, six. He's going to be an emergency guy like a Ryan Smith, like a Mozzie Wilkins was last year. So just having someone that fits that long six foot two, 208 pounds he weighed in at, that absolutely fits the bill for what Todd Bowles wants outside in cornerback. All right. And Taylor, I think I think we're going to wrap things up here today with some of your takeaways from Brady's conference call that he had. Uh, on Tuesday with members of the local and national media. Um, you know, what, what were some of your impressions during that, during that call today that, uh, you know, Bruce Arians and, and Jason Light made it absolutely no secret, which we, you know, we kind of knew that Brady was 
definitely the number one priority in free agency and just kind of some of the things that, that Brady was able to speak on. Um, I think that Bucks fans should be extremely excited uh, listening to the, uh, to the press conference. I think that goes without saying. But really one of the biggest things for me from the press conference was it was kind of the first time it really felt real that Tom Brady had signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In most years where we don't have uh, COVID-19 and we don't have you know, social distancing and we're allowed to be around and out and at the facility, Tom Brady would have been at one Buccaneer place, signing his contract, holding up, quote-unquote, a jersey if they had the new ones uh, you know, rolled out with his signing. He would have been there. He would have had a press conference with the media. He would have been standing up at that podium with the Bucks logo in front of him and the Bucks logo behind him. So that was really the thing for me is you're finally sitting there going, wow, Tom Brady is talking about playing in Tampa Bay. It's almost a surreal feeling. But from Tom Brady's press conference, I mean, it's just the same old Tom Brady. When you hear him talk about, you know, Tampa Bay hired me to come in and do a job and I'm going to do that the same way you've seen me do it for years. uh, He just sounded like he was already ready to get to work. And I mean, I don't know if you should expect anything less from Tom Brady. one of the things that was a big takeaway was how interested he was in getting to know his players and, and getting in touch with them and using technology to kind of get to know them and try and meet up and get going. So I think he's ready to hit the ground running. Um, I really liked when he said the goal of a quarterback is to throw to the open receiver wherever that may be, whether that's deep, whether that's short. And I think that just encapsulates really what you're getting in Tom Brady. You're not just getting a guy who's won six Super Bowl rings who's been in the league for 20 years, but you're getting an immensely talented and immensely smart quarterback. I know the big conversation about uh, Tom Brady coming to Tampa was, does he fit Bruce Arians scheme? Well, when you're a quarterback like Tom Brady, I think you can fit about any scheme short of maybe Greg Roman up in Baltimore, where he's running with Lamar Jackson or when he had Colin Kaepernick or when he had Tyrod Taylor, just because he doesn't have that athleticism. But really, when you're talking about from a pure quarterback perspective, Tom Brady can still make good decisions at 42. He can still throw the ball about 30 yards down the field at 32. He can still stand under center and read defenses better than a lot of quarterbacks in the league at 42. And I, I think that it's just an unreal addition from this franchise. I mean, absolutely, I think one of the biggest free agent additions in recent memory, if memory at all, this is up there with you know, Peyton Manning going to the Broncos. It's just something that doesn't seem real until it happens. Yeah, he uh, he definitely seemed excited, you know, when he was talking about getting to play with the Bucks and and getting to play for, for Bruce Arians. And then somebody would bring up New England again, and it was just kind of, uh, you know, oh, well, I got to talk about this again. And then somebody would bring up Tampa, and he would get excited about something else. And he was excited to get to work and study the NFC South and, study those opposing defenses that he's not used to. And then someone else would bring up, you know, New England again. And it was like, ah, I've, I've answered this question, but I'm a nice guy. So I'm going to answer it again and, and be as, as polite and doing it as possible. So it was definitely a, a a fun call to, to, to be on, but I, I already feel bad for him about answering all these questions about Belichick and Kraft. Yeah, and you know that's really going to be the case. I mean, you spend 20 years there, and really they're the most unreal duo. Essentially, depending on how you look at it, the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest coach of all time, they're going to forever be intertwined. 
Mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, I think, is a little bit of a weird wrench into that mix, depending on how he does here. Um, but you know he's going to get those questions. You know that's constantly going to be a thing. But every time they ask him about it, he said, you know, I'm a fan. I'll, I'll always be a fan of the Patriots. He was a, a, eternally thankful to the coaching staff, the former players, the ownership, everything involved in that organization. But he quite frankly said, that's the past. I'm worried about what I have to do to be the most effective quarterback for Tampa and be the most effective quarterback for winning football in Tampa. And so I think that is exactly what you're getting in Tom Brady. You're getting a talented quarterback who's ready for business. And if I'm being honest, I said it on the Peter Nation podcast today, and even at 43 years old this season, if there's anyone I feel bad for on Tampa Bay's roster right now, it's anyone who doesn't give 200% at anything they do. I think it takes an insane amount of work physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever you want to say, to be an NFL player and to stay an NFL player. It's not easy. These are guys that are absolutely in peak physical condition, elite athletes who have to work day in and day out. But Tom Brady will not accept being good enough. Mm -hmm. He won't accept people doing what's needed or doing just what's necessary. I think the biggest thing that Brady brings besides his talent is what he's going, just like we talked about JPP being that leader in the locker room, someone who's won a Super Bowl, someone who's been there, he's done that. He's kind of got that old school, you know, blue collar mentality from the defensive spot. That's what you're getting in Tom Brady, you know, tenfold with the offense. And it's going to captivate the entire room, I think, just like when Bruce Arians stepped into one buck place and the players immediately said, he doesn't command your attention because you gravitate to him. That's what you're getting with Tom Brady. Yeah, that's that's an awesome, awesome sentiment to to put around it. Um, and I'll tell you, I've so like you said, Taylor, like it it really, you know, uh, uh, I, you know, I, James was on the conference call, you know, registered uh, through Bucks Nation. I was listening with most of our listeners were you know, through my headset on my computer through the website. Um, and yeah, once once I heard, you know, Jason Light speaking, Bruce is speaking, and then Tom Brady comes on, and it's like, well. It's real now. You know what I mean? And, and it kind of takes me back. You know, there's always a conversation of are you are you unbiased media or are you a fan of the team and the game and da da da. And I think and James and I have always tried to explain to our listeners anyway that, you know, it you 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 start off no matter what. I think if you get into sports media, you get into sports media because you are a fan of the game, of the competition. You may not be a fan of that team necessarily, but you're a fan of football, of the competition, what goes into it. And then when you're sitting there on the phone or, you know, soon enough, you'll be sitting there in front of a guy who has put the last two decades worth of sweat and energy and passion into this, this type of thing. And it kind of takes you back to that, that core kind of passion about the topic that you're covering. And I think that's kind of that moment that allows you to kind of go back there and, and reconnect with, you know, what, what, what began as a fandom of either the game or the team or what have you. Um, so yeah, definitely one of those moments, but honestly, I'll tell you, Tom Brady going to Tampa, Feels to me like if M. Night Shyamalan were to write a football movie, that's how it would end. Yeah. I don't even know if he could write a script as unbelievable. And I don't want it to, to make it sound like I'm cheering for Brady or cheering for the Bucks. That's I try and keep it, you know, as, as unbiased as possible. I think I, I you know, I, I'm emotionally uninvested in the Bucks. If they win, it helps me. It helps you guys. It's nicer when the Bucks win. It's nicer for them to cover. But you just kind of have to respect the player he is and what it means for this organization, for these fans, for this team that are historically the losing, losingest franchise in the four major sports in America. So to have the greatest quarterback 
of all time join that is just it's something that i mean has to be just monumental for everyone involved all right well taylor we certainly appreciate some of your time joining us on the show why don't you let everybody know where they can find everything that you are doing about the buccaneers absolutely and i appreciate you guys having me on like i said it's always a blast love talking football but make sure to check all of our work me, Mark, Scott, Matt, now John Ledyard over at pewterreport.com. You can check us out on Twitter at pewterreport, or you can check me out on Twitter at T. Jenkins Tampa. But again, thank you guys so much for listening, and thank you guys for having me on. Oh, it is it is certainly our pleasure. Looking forward to having you on again very, very soon. As for David and myself, of course, you can check out everything that we are doing over at BucksNation.com. Make sure that you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. For those of you stuck at home, that doesn't mean you have to miss out. You can make sure to tell your home devices to play the Locked On Bucks podcast and listen to it in the confines of your own home until we can get through all of this craziness. Again, hope you all are staying safe, staying healthy. Wash your hands. Hope you all have an absolutely outstanding day. And we thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.